0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast. I am your host, as always, Adam, from GolfUnfiltered.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at Golf Unfiltered. You can follow me on Instagram, at Golf Unfiltered, as well, and you can send me an email, GolfUnfiltered, at gmail.com. This is episode 170, folks, and on today's show, got a little bit of a... Little little something different. Uh we have uh Bill Hobson on, but actually he had me on his podcast over at the Four Golfers Network, which is a great podcast and website that I highly recommend that you check out. And Bill's been in the uh he's been on the show here a couple times. You uh longtime listeners know who exactly who I'm talking about. He is a thirty plus year veteran in golf media and media in general, and I appeared on his show to talk a little bit about the PGA Championship, Tiger Woods, the strong play that he, well, that's that's underselling it. I mean, what Tiger was able to do today and really throughout the week was just jaw-dropping, and it really brought a lot of people back to the days when Tiger was in his glory days. You know, I, I saw quite a bit of comments or many comments saying, hey, this brought me back many years, just watching Tigers, strong iron play, uh, you know, his wayward tee shots, which has really always been his his MO, unfortunately, and probably what did him in uh, at this 100th PGA Championship. But uh, Bill and I also touch on a few other uh, elements of the majors this season. Uh, just a quick couple uh, tidbits that we did not get to, but I did want to bring up what's really interesting is with the whole uh, equipment side of the game that we like to talk so much about here on the Golf and Filter podcast. Uh, Jonathan Wall, uh, as you know, equipment junkies know that name quite well. He actually sent out something on Twitter not too long ago, stating, uh, stating that this was the f- for the first time ever, uh, all four major titles are owned by players that do not have a full sponsorship uh, throughout their bag, a full equipment sponsorship which is really interesting. You know, we've got Brooks Capco, of course, with two of them, the eventual winner of the PGA Championship. Uh, he's got three major championships now before the age of 29, I think he is. I mean, good Lord, these people are so young. <laughs> I mean, I just, I don't, I don't understand it. And, of course, we also have uh, Patrick Reed and Francesco Molinari, neither of whom have a full-time equipment sponsor. What they all have in... Uh, common, however, is the fact that they all wear the Nike swoosh on their chest and on their their hats. So that is definitely, uh, if you're Nike golf, this is a great time for you. Uh, TaylorMade has also done a great job with their equipment as well. I believe it's uh, Brooks and Francesco play the M3, I think they both play. Uh, Brooks might actually play the M4. But it's also just an extremely uh, interesting element of today's game that, you know, in the past we always knew You know, Tiger always played Nike clubs. He played Titleist before that. And then there's, you know, rumors of other equipment that he may or may not have played before that. Uh, But the point being, you always know, or at least you did at one point, know what type of equipment people are playing. Not so much these days. And I think that is an emerging trend throughout golf. And it's something that I I really actually like to see. Uh, You know, there's so much good equipment out there these days that players can pretty much get whatever they need specified to what specifications they need you know and it's it's just a great uh it's a great time for technology in the game and people can just go out and and mirror exactly what their favorite player plays or they can go ahead and choose literally any brand that they want and play the best golf of their life and so it just also speaks to the narrowing gap from one brand to the next even though i do believe that there are still some that provide better equipment than others it's just I can't I can't get that thought out of my head about how interesting it is that the four major winners now which really are only 3 people <laughs> but they all have uh yeah, they all have a mixed bag. So interesting thoughts there. It's uh you know the the whole Brooks Kepka thing as well. I mean, long-time followers of the website as well as my Twitter account and even this podcast know that I've not always been the biggest fan of Brooks Kepka. I've made some pretty uh ridiculous uh <laughs> comparisons to him and other players of the past, but you know, a guy that has now three majors, one regular PGA Tour victory. Uh, that, to me, just seems a little imbalanced, to say the least. And I think he, well, he did, in his post-round interview, actually uh, make mention of that as well. Um, he's, a, he's an interesting cat. You know, I, I, I don't understand uh, uh, the mentality of, of, of men or women or athletes who just have that ice-water demeanor. You know, obviously Brooks is an extremely talented athlete. Uh, Just the fact that he can go out and really not show much emotion at all. Him, Dustin Johnson, Jason Duffner, who you think is dead most of the time (laughs) walking the golf course. Uh, You know, I just don't understand how these great things are happening uh, around them because of what they are doing. And, you know we just don't see anything come from him and i don't think that's a bad thing it's certainly not as exciting to watch um you kind of have to rely on the strong play that that they actually do to get excitement from one of those personas which i guess is kind of the point all along but if you compare him to that of the emotions and the the raw energy from tiger woods for example one of the best players to ever play the game there's, there's no comparison there, and Bill and I actually talk a little bit about the comparison between Brooks and Tiger uh, in our conversation and this episode, and we also touch on the fact that three years down the road, people are probably going to be talking more about Tiger coming in second than Brooks winning his second major of the year at uh, Bell Reve in St. Louis, which, by the way, if I can just say, really held its own. I know there was a lot said on social about... Just how it wasn't a great course or it wasn't a great course setup, and people were eating it alive, and there were just too many birdies being dropped. I mean, again, I think this this argument continues to come up again and again and again. I mean, the the whole old man par protecting par, which I know is the USGA's thing with the US Open, but I I don't see sixteen under par and a leaderboard that is stacked with the best players on the planet, including a legend who is trying to come back and win his 15th major, and finishing solo second, I, I don't see how that's a bad thing. Set up every golf course at every major that way, if we get that every single time. I, I will sign that petition, whatever we need to do to make that happen. So that's just my opinion on that. I don't know which side of the fence that you fall on. Be sure to let me know at uh, golfunfiltered at gmail.com or look me up on Twitter at golfunfiltered couple quick shout-outs to our friends over at the Hacker's Paradise if you're listening to this on their network. Nice to see you again or for you to listen to me, I guess. Also want to give a shout-out to our friends over at Cleveland and Srixan. Some very interesting things. I've been using that word a lot in this episode. Uh, RTX4 wedges are coming from Cleveland very soon. Those are in the mail as far as I know at this time. I hope to have a review up on the site uh, about those wedges. I don't know how they're going to improve on the RTX- RTX3s. I told, uh, I told my uh, friend over at Cleveland that very thing. We'll see what happens, though. And you can look for that review very shortly on the site. And last but not least, I want to give another uh, quick shout-out to our friends over at Budget Golf. Be sure to go check out all the great deals that they have going on over there, specifically with their summer clearance event. Uh, it's kind of insane what, uh, what they're charging for some things, so be sure to take advantage of that. All right, that's enough chatting. Stay tuned for Mr. Bill Hobson from the Four Golfers Network interviewing me on his podcast. Here we go.
1: Well, I hope you have all caught your breath. Welcome to another edition of the Four Golfers Network podcast. What a Sunday afternoon it was if you were uh, if you were doing anything other than watching the PGA Championship. I don't know It had to be really important. Let's put it that way. I'm Bill Hobson, and I am thrilled to be joined by our friend Adam Fonseca from Golf Unfiltered. And in a few moments, we'll check in with another special guest, Dan from Two Inches Short, to look back at this dramatic final round of the PGA Championship. And Adam, for all the people who were ragging on Bellarive as not being worthy of a major championship, you know what? I'll take this over grinding out to try to get to even par any day of the week. This was this was compelling te- uh, television and entertainment.
0: I say we start a petition to get the PGA at Bellarive every year. This this was just so much fun to watch. Uh, I agree with you. It, uh, you know, I know a lot of people talk about in majors they would love to see I guess higher scores and not as many shots under par, but this was uh, this was a great tournament to watch.
1: Well, part of that, of course, has to do with uh, the gentleman who came in in second place, because the truth of it is, as great a player as Brooks Kepka is, he, he's not a needle mover as far as entertainment value and a deep backstory. And I don't know that many people would be running to the television because Brooks was about to win another major, which is kind of unfair to him because, man, that's a remarkable accomplishment, but... Uh, and I was following some of your stuff on Twitter. I think you were out golfing earlier in the day <laughs> and uh, I think I saw, I cannot get off this golf course fast enough. And, uh, take, take me through what you were doing. What was your afternoon like?
0: Sure. Well, uh, coincidentally, this was my birthday weekend and, um, on Friday I celebrated and Sunday today, uh, my wife and I decided to go out just for a quick nine, knowing exactly where Tiger was going to tee off and, and the leaders and whatnot. And, uh, you know, we uh, woke up a little bit later than we had hoped to this morning, and then we went and uh, played a quick nine holes, but unfortunately, everyone else in our area apparently had that same uh, that same mindset or that same plan, and so it was a little slow moving, but uh, you know, through the marvels of modern technology, we were able to keep up with what Tiger was doing and, and the leaders uh, well up until, I, I actually didn't get to watch golf today until Tiger teed off on 10, which is really all I needed to see, I think. But, uh, yeah, that was uh, how I spent my Sunday afternoon.
1: You know, we'll get to that in a moment because you you missed some real virtuoso stuff on the front nine, considering the man went 0 for 7 on fairways and Mm -hmm. still managed to go 3 under on the front. You talk about the logistics of managing to watch the broadcast with, you know, being on the golf course. In my world, drivers education instructors everywhere would be cringing or resigning on the spot or just flunking me out of the class. I, I have a total of about an eight-hour road trip that I need to complete by tomorrow, by Monday afternoon, uh, I'm heading to a destination that we're going to be featuring on our television show and, and on this podcast next week. So I decided that uh, our place in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan is about halfway there, so I would come up here and break the trip up and just kind of chill at the lake for a night. Well, that still meant I have about a four-hour drive, and I started it when Tiger was on, I think, the fourth hole. And uh, my wife's i am the only one who traveled. So I Hmm. took an iPad, I turned my phone into a hotspot, and I propped the iPad in a way that I could look down without being too terribly distracted, piped the sound through the car audio, and kind of immersed myself. It was the fastest trip I've ever made. Um, probably not the smartest way to go. Kids do not try this at home.
0: But, <laughs> Don't do but as Uncle were, Bill does.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. There were a number of moments there where um, I really kind of felt like I should just pull over and soak all of this in because we were seeing what I think was the full-on return of Tiger Woods. And, and if that's the case, and I'm, I'll get your thoughts on it here momentarily, if that's the case then I need to probably be at the front of the parade of apologies because I never thought we would see a day like this happen. And I don't think he had to win in order to be considered back.
0: No, I mean, I, I'd i be right behind you in the apology train there, Bill. I mean, I don't think anybody thought that they would see this level of play from Tiger ever again, let alone in majors. I mean, he finished solo second as things planned out or panned out, and I'm sure we'll talk more about that which is unheard of. You know, again, we we've said this a hundred times. This was a guy that had his his spine fused not too long ago, less than a year ago actually, maybe a little over a year ago now. And doctors weren't aware whether or not he was actually going to be able to do anything athletic again ever. And now, you know, I I feel that at the British Open is when he really showed where he was able to truly compete and it wasn't just a fluke. Uh, in a major. And then, of course, he went and he did what he did this week, uh, you know, shooting which is an absurd stat. I don't know if you saw this, Bill, but an absurd stat from this week was that Tiger actually shot his career best four round total in a major, and it still wasn't good enough. It's just, it just goes to show that the game has changed so much. It's It's truly... The best, as far as I'm concerned, probably the new golden age of golf. I've written about this, and we had a podcast uh, not too long ago on that topic. There's so many great players right now, including the legends in the game, who are playing at an extremely high level.
1: Well, you have a guy now who has won three out of the last seven majors, and I'm not sure he's cracked much of a smile Do the entire journey, the entire time. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I'm not. I'm not saying that he's not happy. I'm just saying he doesn't have a wide emotional roller coaster going that everybody can really jump on board. So, we have a champion in Brooks Kepka who has, who's been overlooked quite a bit. Um, my understanding is that earlier in the week, when he was invited into the media center, nobody showed up. Hmm. And uh, you know, you hear these reports through CBS or through Golf Channel and you think about a guy who's carrying around sort of these these slights where he doesn't feel the respect, it's kind of hard to argue with that. Uh, he, he today, even tomorrow and the rest of this week, I'm not sure he's going to be the lead story of this championship because of the incredible comeback that we are seeing from Tiger. Um, where do you put Kepka right now in the overall scheme of, of things? With, with I know he's the hottest golfer on the planet right now, but average golfer. Going to change their schedule to watch Brooks Kepka play?
0: Oh, absolutely not. I, you know, for years I really haven't thought much of Brooks Kepka, I'll be completely honest, and I've said a few uh, hot takey things uh, over the over the years as well. But I mean, I think he's just flat out proving everybody wrong and and making a stance for himself to say, hey, I have to be respected. And you know, frankly, stories like nobody showing up to his press conference or. You know, even Brooks has gone on record saying that, you know, he doesn't get any respect. I think he's okay with that. I mean, if that means that he gets to go and do his own thing and play in his own style and come out with three majors so far. I mean, I don't know about you, Bill, but from what he showed these last few days, uh, this is a guy that can play and win more than five majors in his career. I mean, I think he's quite comfortable with everything, but as far as whether or not people are going to change their weekend schedules to watch Brooks Kepka win or play, probably not. And again, I think that suits him just fine.
1: What were the biggest surprises uh, for you besides Tiger on this Sunday afternoon? Anybody fade out of contention that you thought would be there till the end? Did Adam Scott surprise you? And then we'll talk about. Your favorite part of Adam Scott's game these days.
0: <laughs> I know where you're going with that. Um, you know, I was surprised that Woodland, uh, Gary Woodland didn't play stronger. Um, you know, there were a few others that I thought probably would have played a little, you know, better, especially on a golf course that was yielding so many birdies. I mean, people were just going out there and dropping putts from everywhere. Um, also surprised that Shane Lowry didn't make a bigger move towards the end of the, uh, of the day. But You know, at the end of the day, everything just boiled down to a few people, and we all know, and we've already said their names multiple times already, you know, Brooks Kepa, Tiger Woods, and, you know, Justin Thomas was probably another surprise for me at least, uh, thinking that he would definitely at least stay in contention throughout, but even he faded even towards the back nine. But uh, Adam Scott was great to see him in the final group. Obviously a strong player former major winner this is a guy that you know belongs in the conversation every week and he's just been plagued by bad play as of late and he even admitted as much in his post-round interview so uh definitely great to see him up top as well
1: you know what i can't figure out is whether tiger was fortunate to have a chance because of how poorly he drove the ball off the tee or if for the next you know, week or so, he's going to be wrestling and tossing and turning in his sleep, having left one putt on the front lip dying to fall in, mm. had another one power lip out for par, and then had of course the wayward tee shot on 17. It is, it is not a stretch of the imagination to say that he could have literally, I mean everybody was birdieing 17 without really any breaks whatsoever he could have been three shots lower, and I don't even know if, if the internet or if the golf world could handle that kind of thing. So is he fortunate to have been that close, or is he going to be just pulling out what little hair he has left about the shots he left out?
0: Oh, you know, I've gone back and forth in my mind about that. It's hard to take anything away from Brooks Kepka in the way that he played. I mean, he just flat-out dominated throughout the week. Yes, Players were right there with him for most of the tournament. But I would hate to say that, you know, Tiger lost this tournament as much as Brooks won it, not to be too cliche, but uh, for all the points that you just brought up, I mean, the lip outs, the the missed putts, the, I mean, I would say he did actually kind of get a break uh, on 17 on that wayward tee shot because it wasn't actually in the water hazard. He was able to play out of it, but man, Tiger could have won by two shots. If Any of those things go his way, and nothing changes with how Brooks played. Tiger wins by two, I think. It it was just incredible. And, you know, again, as I mentioned earlier, his his lowest total four rounds in a major uh, championship ever. I mean, that just goes to show how strong his play was and the fact that he didn't hit a fairway in the front nine today, and he still made the turn at three under. I mean, his iron play was something that we hadn't seen in decades.
1: Yeah, it is quite remarkable. Uh, now let's get to Adam Scott. He's um, He's got a putter that comes in just under his chin. Mm-hmm. My understanding is that that's not something you're supposed to do anymore if that thing in any way, shape, or form touches your body. And I can't really tell that it's not touching his body, but apparently – Everybody's good with it except for Adam Fonseca from Golf Unfiltered.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you know, I just I don't know how that's not touching his chest. I, and it's funny because you know I'll see if a little chatter on social and they'll pretty much all say the same thing. Like he is he is definitely anchoring that putter. Uh, there's probably a little give, you know, back and forth at that top hand. But really, what it boils down to, Bill, is it's kind of a silly rule anyway. I've never really understood how you can enforce this without having a, a tournament official right there, you know, trying to put a finger between <laughs> the end of the shaft and the player's chest. I mean, I just don't see how you could enforce that uh, consistently, but end of the day, I mean, he's still got to make the putt, and I've always felt this way about the anchoring ban anyway. Um, but, I mean, Bernard Longer is another guy who, great player, obviously, that's an understatement, but there's no way that anyone can say that that putter grip never touches their chest, and so if we're going to make a rule about it, then at least make a way to enforce it consistently. But I, I really don't think anyone's going to make too much of a fuss about that.
1: This afternoon did erase any question of whether Tiger would be on the Ryder cup team. In my
0: mind, Uh, how about yours? Oh, he's got to be a lock. I I actually said uh, if he wasn't on the team, I I would never watch the Ryder cup again, which, you know, obviously that's probably not true, but yeah, he's got to be a lock at this point. I would say that, a few players played their way out of Ryder Cup contention, uh, certainly points-wise and definitely uh, uh, captains pick-wise. Bryson DeChambeau, one of them. Phil Mickelson, perhaps even another. Um, and I, I just... there's You can't have a Ryder Cup team this year without Tiger. He's had such a great season. Just a regular... For, for any player, he had a great PGA Tour season. And his performance in the majors, especially the last two, is uh, you know usually the two majors that... Ryder cup captains look at for uh, last auditions and and tiger's hot heading into the playoffs.
1: could be an interesting decision for captain Furick regarding Phil. I, I think tiger's a lock, but you know, Phil is a stalwart figure on the team. He has had a pretty decent consistent season, but missing the cut here certainly didn't help things. And it makes me somewhat wonder if Phil might be extended the invitation to replace Tiger as a vice captain since Tiger will be playing. Uh, Now, it's also entirely possible that Furyk knows what a headache that could be in the team room where Phil has nothing to do but talk. Um, That that might not go over so well. so (laughs) I will be interested to see how all that comes out. But uh, last question I have for you, we have four majors now behind us this season. Which one do you look back on as having provided the greatest drama
0: Oh, definitely the PGA. I, I, you know, it's 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 such a great leaderboard that we were all able to watch these last two days. Really, I mean, even Saturday's round was was amazing. Um, and then to see the players that rose to the top. And it's funny how all the same names always do that. And I guess that's why we know the names so well. Uh, the British Open was certainly number two in my mind, followed by Augusta, and then perhaps the U.S. Open as number four in my opinion. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the PGA for all the belly aching that everyone did about the golf course and whatever else, uh, the television coverage, which I guess is the new thing to complain about on social, uh, it, it really held its own and it gave us compelling television that, you know, was even forcing me to get off of a golf course early. So what did you think? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, I'd agree with the order that you just listed them and I might be one of the few people who wishes the pga would stay in august and that's kind of just from a selfish golf fan standpoint um i like having the season end with what is almost always a dramatic tournament And moving that to may you know it takes us from of course the masters now it takes us to the pga we move into the u.s open we have the uh, open championship in july and we're done we have august and september for what when are we going to see the top players play except for when the, uh, the FedEx cup playoffs start. Mm -hmm. So I kind of like this little shot of energy in the uh, dog days of summer. And I, I wish it wasn't going away. Now I'm sure that there are a couple hundred thousand golf fans in St. Louis who wish that it had been May weather instead of August weather, but uh, that's just the nature of the beast wherever you schedule these things. But um, you cannot argue with the fact that setting up a course to be receptive to low scores is vastly more exciting to watch than knee-deep rough and having to hack it out sideways. Now, there was rough at Bell Reve, mm-hmm. and yet because of all the rain, the greens were still receptive. I thought it was a great combination. I think Kerry Haig, as a uh, competition setup guy, is so far ahead whoever's doing it for the USGA, that it's like major leagues versus minor leagues (laughs) because the setup of the golf course never became the story this week. The weather did, and some of the width of the fairways, I guess, was discussed. But in the end, right now, nobody's talking about the surface on which it was played. They're talking about the chase down the stretch, and I think that's really what you want.
0: That is what you want. And, you know, to talk a little bit about the change of the order of the majors last year, here's a... Here's a hypothetical question to 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 you, Bill. Uh, if the course setup was the same and the PGA Championship was held in May of this year, do you think Tiger wins in May?
1: Well, that's toughy because um, I can't figure out how tired he is. You know, you can look at swing speed trends, and yeah, they've declined sharply throughout the season. He's put in more reps than he has in a number of years. Um, he wasn't as sharp back at that time of year as he is now. So it's hard to know which which is more important, the energy level or the sharpness. My guess is his iron game is better right now than it was back then. Uh, At the same time, look what Kepka did at the U.S. Open. So uh, it's really, it would be a fun little uh, hypothetical to see play out. It may very well have come out the same way it did now. I just know this, that for the next couple of weeks, Everybody who loves golf will still be talking about what Tiger did at the PGA. And then we head into the FedEx Cup playoffs, and that's kind of fun to follow. You know, you're not going to necessarily cancel wedding appointments and and other outings that you have scheduled, but it's fun to check the headlines. And then we get to go to Paris at the end of September and see how all of this plays out with a team led by Kepka, Dustin Johnson, Tiger Woods, and on and on we go down the list. Right. Uh, this was a pretty good shot in the arm late in the season just for golf energy.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, I think we think ahead at the Ryder Cup. I mean, last Ryder Cup was such a dominating performance by the Americans. I'm thinking that we're heading towards another one of those, although the European squad certainly has uh, you know, some strong play on their end as they always do. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch these next few weeks.